The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I am your host. It is Saturday, June the 26th, and we're going to break some top 10 offensive linemen. By the way, happy birthday to me. We record these early, so it's not actually my birthday, but happy birthday. Happy early birthday to me. Me. Uh, joining us to bring it down, Tyler Sullivan. Sully, what's up, buddy? Happy birthday. Oh, well, happy happy birthday. And what, what better gift than to rank offensive linemen? I'm sure this is what you wanted. Yeah, and surprise for you, a little surprise birthday present. Since I'm since I'm turning 40 today as we record this, we're actually going to ask you for your top 40 offensive linemen in the NFL. Perfect. We're going to one by one and go through their fi- the biggest traits and, and all that. Now, we were talking a little bit beforehand about, uh, you know, ranking offensive linemen. It is not – you can watch as much film as you want. You can you can study with off actual, you know, you can learn you can learn about offensive line play all you want. But the people who the people who, who you really need to be a former offensive lineman or you need to be a coach for the team whose offensive linemen you are grading because the way that offensive lines work, this is not like basketball where there, or baseball where there's an easily assignable flaw to a person. Like we can tell who a good, really good or a really bad offensive lineman is, but the nuances are tough. So you had a tough assignment. You ranked the top 10 offensive tackles and the top 10 interior offensive linemen. We're going to go through them, and you did a heck of a job, all things uh, considered. So nice work by you. Thanks. It's so, you know, it's, you, you'll read this list and it's all the guys that are probably supposed to be on there. I mean, we talk, we'll talk about probably the guys that just missed and they're certainly, you know, should be considered elite and all of that. You know, we can identify who's elite. It's actually harder when you get into this top 10 and you're trying to figure out, okay, why put this guy over that guy? Who is actually the top, top tackle or top interior lineman in the league? It's when you start to split hairs between all of these guys. That's when it gets really difficult, like you're saying. Well, and you know, we did a uh, top defensive lineman with Jared Dubin. I think maybe that, that, that one might not even be up yet. But the point being is that even then, you know, you get Cam Hayward, you know, gets in your Twitter mentions like, oh, I'm number six. It's like, well, I mean, I'm not saying you're bad. Right, right. I mean, I, all, of these, all of these guys that are on here and, and even the ones that are on the just missed, I, I totally understand why you would be miffed is, is, is why I don't rank you in the top 10, but you are, are certainly still uh, in a class of your own when, you, when it comes to offensive line play. It's, a, it's not one of these positions, too, where it's like, you know, all right, there's, you know, one quarterback. There's multiple guys, on, you know, multiple starters. You, we're, yeah, we're yeah. Talking, it's a lot, a lot to unpack. Right tackles become not as important as left tackle, but it's up there. You For know, sure. I mean, it, sure. it is an absolutely necessary uh position i mean right tackle is very important because of the way that defenses move around pass rushers because teams sometimes will have you know like you look at the chargers when they had melvin ingram and joey bosa you know you can't just block bosa or block ingram you need multiple plus the other thing that matters sometimes you have quarterbacks who like to scramble quarterbacks who like to run around and hold the ball deshaun watson russell wilson sometimes you have pocket passers like tom brady and so the value and the importance of different positions for different teams matters even more because of those different quarterbacks absolutely and, and the other thing too is you know with the with the with this list and it's really two lists if you look at the look at the article it's top 10 tackles top 10 interior linemen i did try to to add a little bit of like diversity to it as well you know i didn't just go okay i'm only looking at left tackles here and and, and just going on that side and i wasn't just looking at left guards or right guards and centers i'm trying i tried to 
to have each position well represented as we went through as well. So yes, there might be a, a left guard that maybe is, is missed, missed on the, the interior list, but that's because I'm probably bumping up a center or a right guard that's, that's premiered his position as well. So that's kind of sure. where we're at. Look, the, again, the point being, it's a very difficult list to do. Sure. And so I'm not going to sit here and like rip you. Like, Garrett Bowles at 10, you loser. Let's do it. Garrett Bowles <laughs> is 10, though. I will say the guys who just missed, I could see some some chirps coming your way. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm surprised Debo hasn't already gotten at me with, with Lane Johnson or something like that. Well, Lane Johnson did not make the list. That's not a spoiler because we're, we're telling you that. Uh, were, what, who was the person you were most scared to leave off of this list? By the way, Lane Johnson is, Lane Johnson is a monster, but he is getting a little bit older. Uh, he, has turned, he is 31 now. He played in 19 games the last two years. And not that his play has declined, but, you know, when you, you get older, you got health issues – you know, that becomes a concern. I mean, it's hard to put a guy who played seven games last year on the top 10 tackle list when there is, it does appear at least to me, Sully, that there's sort of, we're sort of turning a corner in offensive line development. Like there's a lot of younger, you know, we saw that, that class in 2020 and Tristan Wirfs, you know, Makai Becton, who didn't make the list, um, a good group of young tackles come in and make an impact right away, and that that bodes well for the future. Like this list is a little more robust than it's been in years past. I think. Oh, oh, for sure, and it's only going to get a little bit more difficult as we go on. I mean, if 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 Penny Sewell is who we all think he's going to be, he's someone who's going to be in contention next year, and so that was a little tough trying to find. You know, these young guys that are coming in, I mean, you know, there's one, you know, second, you know, rising second year player that's on this list that we'll probably talk about in a, in a few minutes. But that was probably the hardest part. It wasn't really like, all right, who's who am I going to get chirped the most about? If anything, that was more with the interior lineman. That was a little bit more difficult. But for me, you know, one name and, and I know, you know, I, you know, I'm from New England. I, I'm a, a Patriots guy and all that. Isaiah Wynn was really hard to kind of figure out for me. And, and, and one, because I see him up close. I'm there every 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 home game for, for New England. I see him probably the mo- I do see him the most out of everybody that's on this list. And when he's healthy, he's legit. He is in yep. in, in, the, in the statistics, all, you know, really point to that as well. He's a top 10, maybe just outside the top 10 guy when he's on the field. The problem is he just hasn't been. He, it was, a, I believe it was a torn Achilles in his rookie year. He was dealing with issues last year. Hasn't played a full 16 game schedule yet. The Patriots clearly believe in him. They picked up his fifth year option. They're hoping that he can be their left tackle, which is going to be extremely important for this team, especially when Mac Jones gets in there, a young quarterback. But this off- that offensive line is going to be pretty good, but it predicates on Isaiah Wynn. So that one was a little bit tough because there's a world where he's a top 10 tackle, but like you, you don't want to project too, too much either. So that was a little bit tough. Yeah, when has just played 18 games in his career. And he's, right. They've already picked up his fifth-year option. He's three years into it. They clearly appreciate his talent. And when he's on the field, he's very good. But if he's – you can't make a guy a top-10 tackle until he, he is on the field. Exactly. I would probably argue that Makai Becton should have made the list. Is that crazy to say that he should have made the list? He was awesome last year. No, he was great. And, and so for me, it's – you know, a, a lot of factors go up play, but like a lot of these guys are really good. It, it, it's it's like you were saying, it's a tough position to kind of figure out here. So to me, I didn't want to just completely react too much on rookie seasons. Now, you know, sure. just to, to pull the curtain, you know, Tristan Wirfs is a guy that's on this inside this top 10 list. But we're talking about a guy in Wirfs who was almost historic in his rookie season. So I'm trying not to be too reactionary either because I think that's a little bit disrespectful to the guys that have put together a body of work. Someone who is who has been in the league for a little bit and has really kind of solidified himself as a top tackle or a top 10 tackle in the league. Like for example, Bulls, I mean for me, he's a guy who was probably, you know, a solid tackle prior to this past year. But the big issue for him was penalties, and it was just it it was really hamstringing his career. It, it was it just it was it was I believe it was almost historic in the terms of how much he was he was compiling over the first uh, few years of his career. But he was able to bring that down, and to me, his numbers were were fantastic. So he was more well rounded, wasn't hurting the team with penalties. And when you do that, and you were already considered pretty good, that's going to put you in the top 10 for me. And I'm hedging a little bit because I only put him at 10. But his numbers, I mean, are just, are just ridiculous. I mean, I believe it was only Trent Williams and, and David Bakhtiari who were, had the only higher PFF grades. So to me, like, you know, we're talking about statistically, in, in terms of PFF's grading system, a top three tackle. I'm putting him at number 10 because 
I don't know if this if this penalty you know reduction is a, something where he turned the corner or if it's just kind of a blip in the radar and he goes back. So to me, that's kind of why we're sneaking him into the top 10 here and leaving those guys out. Yeah, I believe in 2017, 2018, and 2019, he was, I think, the only player in the NFL to record uh, double-digit penalties. There's yeah. not holdings and you know mostly holdings, false starts, uh, et cetera. I believe, yeah, largely in you know, so yes, a heavily penalized guy who was taken early in the draft, who hadn't really, you know, lived up to expectations, and all of a sudden breaks out uh with you know with a new contract for his best year of his career at the age of 28. It'll be 20, he's 29 now going into the 2021 season. And it is also possible that depending on, you know, maybe Drew Locke can take a step forward. Uh, maybe it's Teddy Bridgewater, who's an, potentially an easier uh, quarterback to play for just because of the sort of the the, the way that he plays the game and, and the, the cautious nature that he plays with. Um, maybe that makes it a little bit easier. Maybe they trade for Aaron Rodgers. And all of a sudden, you know, Garrett Balls is a top five offensive lineman. And I'm, it, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But I, I think it's – I don't think it's unreasonable uh, to have him there, especially considering the guys that are just off the list. The, the Orlando Brown, one more guy who was, who was left off. He he got traded this offseason and is moving from right tackle to left tackle. I feel pretty confident he'll be fine at left tackle because that's where he wants to play. It was where he played in college. And he's playing for the Chiefs and Andy Reid. So I'm not particularly worried about it. But that's a pretty big leap of faith to assume that he's just going to magically – you know, transition from right to left without any sort of hiccups in in year one. Right, and, and to his credit, he did play a lot of left tackle last year for Baltimore sure. when, when Stanley went down. So, you know, he does have the experience going over there, but but like you're saying, you know. New team, and, new position, new. Exactly. Whole new it, there's a lot of newness to there, and especially, you know, talking about Kansas City, it's an almost entirely new offensive line. So it's not like he's going into a, co into a cohesive unit where he's the only guy that has to kind of get with the program. They're all trying to figure it out there, and I and I think they will. I think it's going to be a, a solid offensive line in Kansas City, but that's that is something that would give you pause here, and and certainly someone who is a candidate to jump up into this top ten if he shows us that he can maintain what he did during that time on the blind side in Baltimore. If he can bring that to Kansas City, I mean, we're not only talking about him being a top ten guy, but I mean, you know, Kansas City you know, once again being one of those legit powerhouses in the AFC, if not you know the favorite to win the Super Bowl. No question about it. Taylor Moten checks in at number nine for you, and he has always, just always been a right tackle, right? Yeah. He's, just, he's just a right tackle. That's where they play, and they know what he works. Uh, nice draft pick for Carolina. They've held on to him. They franchise tagged him, and he improved substantially in the run game last year, even with maybe a, I don't know, I don't want to say a questionable offense, but a, an offense, you know, they, they lost Christian McCaffrey. That doesn't help your run game. Uh, and now – they they beef up the offensive line. They still have Greg Little there, who they took in 2019 as a second as a second rounder. Maybe not even going to make the roster. Brady Christensen they drafted this year in the third round, and then they signed Cameron Irving. So Moten's going to anchor that right side. If Sam Darnold comes in and is an upgrade at the quarterback position, if Christian McCaffrey is healthy, it stands to reason that Moten is going to justify this spot. Exactly, and there's a reason you know why Carolina franchised them. They they need some stability on that offensive line, especially when they're bringing in a new quarterback and Darnold. And one thing that you can say about him, too, is he is reliable. He is someone who, to this point in his career, has been there for you. I, I believe he's made, like, 48 straight starts. I'm just reading that off my story. Like, he's been a, a legitimate, you know, anchor to that side. And that's the, that's part of the biggest thing. I mean, you know, like I was just saying with Isaiah Wynn, the only reason why he's not on this list, he has all the ability, but he can't stay on the field. With, when we move over here now, it's, you know, it's a guy that you can almost lock in every single week, and he's only allowed a, a 10 sacks throughout his career, according to PFF. So, I mean, you know, you're talking about someone who's not going to really shoot you in the foot and will always be there. That has the makings to me as a, a back-end top 10 guy in the NFL. And again, like I was saying earlier, are there left tackles that maybe should be you know, inside the top 10? This is an example of us throwing a right tackle in there to kind of balance this list out to have a more complete offensive line ranking. Yeah. And again, yeah, you got to have right tackles in there. You can't right. just have the top 10 left tackles. You need to, so maybe Taylor Moten's not, you know, uh, better than Garrett Bowles. I mean, maybe he is, but you know, it, it is, it's tough. You have to sort of you kind of weigh it differently. It, it's like, yeah. It's like when Prisco does his top 100, it's not just the top, it's not the top 10 are just quarterbacks. Right. And they would be if you were doing positional value, but you got to strip that out and kind of figure and that out. If we were drafting, it would be totally different. Correct. 
Yes. Uh, at number eight, Jack Conklin, who is a fantastic signing by the Cleveland Browns last off, was it last offseason or two offseasons ago? Last offseason. First, off yeah. first year in Cleveland. The Titans actually drafted him in the first round and then didn't place the franchise, didn't use the fifth year option on him and then couldn't sign him to a new contract because they had a bunch of guys popping up at the same time, let him walk into free agency. The Titans scoop him up, excuse me, the Browns scoop him up, drop him in at right tackle there. And in Kevin Stefanski's offense, it was perfect. And Conklin was fantastic and helped sort of be one of the motors that got the offense that got that run game going. And that's why he finds his way on this list. And, I, and I'll tell you this about Conklin. And, 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 and to me, this whole Cleveland Browns offensive line was really tough. This isn't the first Brown we're going to, this is the first Brown we're going to talk about, but not the only one because this offensive line is. is probably going to be the best in the NFL next year or at least it's going to be in the conversation they were last year you know in that conversation of being one of the better units in the league so it's it is tough to kind of figure out okay how much is it him and how much is of it is him just feeding off the skill of other players around him I mean that's part of the offensive line that's what make offensive line great you can't just have one stud left tackle even if you have that we've seen in other teams that doesn't really translate to overall success on the line. So to me, you know, Conklin is is legit. He's a top 10 tackle in this league, clearly. And, to, and he's had a top 10 overall grade over the past few years here. I believe he was a top 10. He was top 15. He was one of the only guys who was a top 15 graded in pass protection and in run blocking. So you're talking about a well-rounded guy here as well. It was a smash signing for them last year. And, and it's kind of, you know, bleeding into this offseason where the Browns are just continuing to make savvy moves, not huge splashes, but they are just making the, they're pushing the right buttons for them to now be one of the teams that we're looking at and saying, could they make a, make a leap here? Could they kind of make a bump up in the AFC? And when you have a guy like Baker Mayfield in Kevin Stefanski's offense, and now this whole unit is going into year two of that coaching staff, it, it's exciting to see what they're going to do. It's pretty wild that Conklin's career path, he, he was an all-pro his rookie season. It was his best season ever with the Titans, and he basically declined, not every single year, only played nine games in 2018. Um, but you know, they, didn't, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. That is wild that they that they would let him. And I don't really know if there was a there was a great reasoning for it. You know, I think they just thought it was sort of a flash in the pan. His rookie season, by the way, I count six of the. Uh, actually, no, it's more than that because Sheldon Rankins just changed. This the 2016 draft is it's really weird. It's full of studs. You have Joey Bosa, Jalen Ramsey, Ronnie Stanley, DeForest Buckner, Jack Conklin, um, Laramie Tunsil. The, the top 15, really, <laughs> they basically all changed teams. The only two, the only guy, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, all changed teams. Bosa, Zeke Elliott, and Ronnie Stanley, I count as the only three guys drafting the top 15 of that draft with with really good players, multiple all pros who haven't changed teams. Just an odd fact. Musical chairs there. Yeah, very bizarre. But yeah, and now he pops back up in his first year with the, with the Browns and is excellent. It seems like the scheme fits him really well. He's asked – they want him – he is good at exactly what they are asking him to do. Perfect. And fit. that's why he, uh, he pops up there on your list. Number seven, Tristan Wirfs, second-year player. Now for and the so Buccaneers, maybe – I mean, nobody's going to say that Tristan Wirfs was more important than Tom Brady. That would be dumb. But I don't know that they win the Super Bowl without Tristan Wirfs. Well, I don't know if they win the Super Bowl without that that draft class last year as well. I mean, you're talking about worse. I mean, that was, you know, those two in particular, slam dunk selections and and ones that they needed to make. The Buccaneers traded up to go get Werfs. They they clearly knew that they had a need. They addressed it. They were cashing in on this Tom Brady signing as soon as humanly possible and surrounding him with young talent and, and they they've they've done it tremendously. I mean, they have a they have a Lombardi trophy sitting in there. And so for me, Werfs was you know, we're talking about the, the Super Bowl and all of that. He was the highest graded player, according to PFF, in that game. And he was just absolutely sensational throughout the year. I, I believe he only uh, allowed one sack throughout the year with 769 pass blocking attempts. I mean, you're talking about a guy who completely was able to splash into the league and really have no huge hiccups. That, that for a rookie, is almost unheard of when we're talking about offensive line play, which is why we were saying earlier, like, yeah, Makai Becton, you know, he's, he's phenomenal. He should get in this list at some point in his career. He didn't do what Werfs did. 
he didn't do that. He didn't, he did not do it on the stage that he was at. And, and you know, some of that's just opportunity. Could, could Mekhi Becton have, have done what Werf's done in Tampa Bay? Absolutely. But sure. it, the opportunity just never presented itself. It did for Werf's and, and he just absolutely ran with it. So I mean, that playing, is, that's what's playing here. For the, playing right tackle for the Bucks with Tom Brady as your quarterback. And, you know, you have a, a really good offensive line on the interior with Ali Marpet, Ryan Jensen, and Alex Kappa, you know, and of course, Donovan Smith on the other side. I mean, that makes life a lot easier than just being the, the you know, the, the new guy on the left side for, you know, Sam Darnold and, and, and Adam Gase's offense. So it's a diff- totally different situation, but I agree. I mean, worse earned this ranking 100%. At six, uh, mentioned 2016 draft class, Laramie Tunsil famously – uh, the, the leak of the bong, the, the the gas mask bong on draft night didn't matter. Still went in the first round. I think 13th overall. Is that right? 13th overall. Yes, 13th overall to the Dolphins. Eventually traded for a massive amount of draft picks to the Houston Texans. The highlight of Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby's reign thus far in Houston. If I think if Larry Tunsil was on a better team and hadn't been traded for all those picks, and then hadn't bent Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby over a barrel and gotten like five million dollars over market, that he would be con- that he would just be considered a great player. But it's almost like he's dinged because the Texans front office is incompetent. Right, and, and so this is kind of, you know this is kind of when I was when I was constructing these this this top ten, he was when he was much lower, and then I kind of was like, wait a minute, he's he's a fantastic player. Like I'm thinking in in you know I even you know noted in the in the story like. He's most known right now, I think, for the trade from Miami, where it's just completely trade blown number up. One, beer bong or gas mask bong number two, which is and remarkable. He's a great player. He's just he's a great just, player. He's 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 very very talented, and it's it's a shame that it's you know it's his. Not only has his career just been weird. I mean, you know, from draft night on, all of the outside things around him have been absolutely bizarre. Whether whether it's the whether it's the gas mask on draft night, the trade that is really not his fault. It's actually a credit to how talented he is that they were able to surrender up that much, and then he gets to a Houston team that is just absolutely collapsing in on itself from every which way. But again, that doesn't take away from him being one of the better tackles in the NFL. I mean, so that's kind of where I was like, okay, if I just take all of this out and use player X and I just list everything about him, he is cracking into the top. He's knocking on the door of a top five tackle in the league. So I was like, okay, you know what? The picks be damned. Houston be damned. He's got to be higher on this list than what I was originally going to put him at. Yeah, a better pass blocker than he is a run blocker. Yep. And interestingly enough, you know, we talk about he blew the – look, Trent Williams and David Bakhtiari, and we'll get to them in a minute, they can thank Laramie Tunsil and his negotiating skills because he doesn't have an agent. He just, It was just him and Bill O'Brien in the room talking. He took the top of the market. It was Ronnie Stanley at 19.75, took it up to $22 million per year. Bakhtiari then signed for $23 million a year, and then Trent Williams signed for $23 million, 10000 per year, which is – a very clear, hey, I just need to be the top paid uh, tackle in the market. Those guys can thank Laramie Tunsil for doing it because otherwise they might go 20 and 2010 or something like that. And just to get a little bit more specific with Tunsil, I mean, Houston's offense is a little bit more difficult for, for tackles. I mean, he does have to do a little bit moving around Deshaun Watson when he was there. He's a guy that's going to dance around the pocket a little more. He's going to try to extend the play with his legs, which puts more pressure along the offensive line. Like we were saying earlier, if, it, if Watson was just a, a step back, first, second read guy, Tunsil's job is tremendously easier. But when Watson starts to dance, he starts to move around. And that could even be the case this year with Tyrod Taylor as well. If he's waiting for his receivers to separate or for something to break down so he can make a play with his legs, that's asking a lot for your offensive lineman, and particularly your blindside tackle and Tunsil. So that, that's another reason why he's higher on this list than I think a lot of people would, would originally think. Ronnie Stanley at number four. Five. Also, remember that 2016 draft class. Pretty uh, good. Yeah, uh, we're talking about a guy who I think I had him as as number two last year. I I don't necessarily remember, but he but he's legitimately games lost to a nasty ankle injury was awesome before it basically. Exactly, and so that's why you get pegged down a little bit. I don't want to completely erase you from from the top ten just because you got hurt, but. You know, you were still playing at a high level at the time that you went down. So I'm not going to just be like, you're completely disqualified. That's ridiculous. But, you're, you know, you're going to go down from two to five. I think that that's a fair dip for a guy like Stanley, who we all know, if he returns to full form, 
he'll he'll jump right back up. You know, you know, a guy like Trent Williams last year was lower on the list because we just hadn't seen what he was able to do for a year. But then we move him. We're moving him up. You, you, we'll talk about him in a minute. Like he's somebody who we're moving up because we've seen him put a body of work. He was able to bounce back after not playing, and so. If we're sitting here next year, well, God willing, you know, I'm sure Stanley, if he's healthy, he'll be right back up here inside the top three. I, I would agree with that completely. Is it Was it Ronnie Stanley, Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, all in the same offensive line in 2015 Notre Dame? I think it was. That's pretty good. That's they stomped, I'm, I'm pretty sure we went up to Notre Dame and saw them play uh, NC State in, in Notre Dame, and they just, I mean, th- we had a really good defense. And they ran all over us. Maybe it was 2016. Anyway, um, very good, very good defense, very good offensive line. And Ronnie Stanley, one of the anchors of it, and he's lived up to the hype in the NFL. If he's healthy, you're right. He'll be probably be a top two, top three. We'll see, you know, how it goes out. But certainly, and particularly as strong as he is in the run game, you yeah. know, where you just put people in the ground for that for what they do with Lamar Jackson and, and that run in and all the, the varied rushing attacks, he helps a ton. It's very similar to Jack Conklin, where it's like perfectly situated with his team. That's that is a perfect match for what he's able to do with them. I actually wonder. So Ronnie Stanley played what did we say six games. I believe so. Yes, he he suffered. Uh, uh, he went down in week eight. So uh, you know, yeah, probably if there's a buy in there somewhere. Yeah. So uh, the the, the buy was week seven. So Ronnie Stan the, the Ravens started five and one, with their only loss being to the Chiefs in week three. And after their bye, they went one and four before ripping off uh, five straight wins as they sort of sh- – that that might not be a coincidence. And the other thing as well, I mean, we're talking about his run game as well, but, you know, again, PFF's rankings, he was the top pass-blocking tackle in the league at the time he went down. You know, yep. he's, he's as, as good as they come. It's just injuries trickle you down a little bit. Sure, for sure. At number four, Taron Obstead of the Saints, who – now be blocking for somebody. Jameis Winston. You see those workouts? Actually, we'll do four and three together because you have uh, Armstead and uh, Ryan Ramchick at uh, four and three. You think it's Jameis? Yeah, right. I mean, he, you know, he's doing those workouts where he's getting beat up, going around. All, all, I don't know what was going he's on. He's got so. Like, so like, I don't know. I don't know. I th- it was. I believe, I believe it was just the main CBS Instagram account where it was highlighting all of Winston's workouts, and they are just wild. I mean, I thought Aaron Donald, you know, playing around with knives was crazy. Winston's doing some oddball stuff, but hey, you got him to a number one overall pick, you know. So I'm sure. I'm sure it's working to some degree. And and, and by the way, this the reason why you think that Jameis or even. Well, the reason why, I, in my mind, you want to go with Jameis over Taysom Hill is that you do have these two tackles in Taron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek who have been awesome. I mean, yeah. Ramchek was part of – I mean, he's he, – I think he's missed maybe one game, and he, and he could have sat out for that game. I, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, since he was drafted as part of that legendary 2017 draft class for the Saints with Lattim- Marshall Lattimore, Ryan Ramchek, and then Alvin Kamara along with uh, Marcus Williams. I mean, it was just – Changed it, changed the entire direction of the franchise with that draft class. Um, and if you have that kind of offensive line and you can coach the turnovers out of Jameis, you can win with him. It almost feels like a waste to use Taysom Hill. Yeah, it changes the whole dynamic of what Winston can do. I mean, you know, you're talking about not being not being under pressure. You know, we talk about a lot about the, you know, like Joe Burrow, for example, you know, a guy coming in into a new system. I know Winston's not a rookie, but he's, you know, taking on a new system in, in, a, in a new town. And you're asking him to to do all these things, get a feel for his new weapons, get a feel for the NFL, get a feel for all this stuff. But his offensive line is completely falling, uh, you know, apart around him, and he gets hurt, and he can't he can't even really figure anything out. Winston was under pressure a lot in Tampa Bay as well. I mean, you know, I know we're talking a lot about how great Tampa Bay's defense uh, offensive line was with Brady, but it wasn't particularly great over the last few years of Winston. You know, he he had a great interior. I mean, you know, Marpet was great. You know, Jensen. I mean, a lot of those guys were solid. But he still was was under pressure a lot. Now in New Orleans, there's at least an opportunity where you have your top two tackles, which is the best tackle duo in the NFL. There's really no excuses for you to to you know hold the ball. To, you know, if, even if you hold the ball a little bit too long, you should be able to figure some things out and, and, and limit those turnovers there. So you know, it's it's a great opportunity for Winston. He's got you know is, is again as solid of a tackle duo as you can ask for in the NFL. If he ends up being the guy, I'm with you. I think if they throw uh, Taysom Hill in there, it'd be an absolute waste. But, you know, Ramchek, he's been absolutely healthy throughout his entire career. I think he's played, you know, only played 
95%, you know, 95% of the snaps throughout his career. Like, you know, that's as, as few as it's ever gone throughout a season. And when you talk about uh, Armstead, I think it was, where is it? Now? I have it right here. 4.1% uh, uh, of the time he's allowed pressure. That's it throughout his entire career. Every time in pass block situations. I mean, that's just, it's, it's insane. I mean that, but that's what we're talking about here and why it's so crazy to try to, you know, figure out who goes on top of who. I mean, we're talking about like decimal points in, right. in how great they are at, at, at protecting the quarterback and helping in the run game. It's a fraction. It's coming down to that fraction. So, again, New Orleans, they have nothing to worry about at the tackle positions right now heading into 2021. They're set for a little bit. Uh, the top two guys we mentioned earlier is the top two contracts for offensive tackles. Trent Williams at number two and David Bakhtiari at number one. Look, I, I mean, it's I mean, we don't have to dwell on it long. Trent Williams should have been the comeback player of the year last year, as I declared, but Alex Smith, of course, wanted. Uh, Williams is an awesome signing, an awesome trade, excuse me, for the 49ers. And then he goes out there and just destroys dudes in an offense he's very comfortable in. He just knows the offense, and he's a perfect fit for it because he's so fast on his feet. He's a punishing blocker, lethal in the run game, and a great pass protector as well. You would have to – I mean, he is a critical piece of what the 49ers want to do. Now they had Alex Mack. That offensive line should be even better. And then David Bakhtiari, widely praised as, you know, one of the be – maybe the – I mean – Maybe the best tackle in all of football. You have it number one. He's been the the blindside protector for Aaron Rodgers, and that's not an easy job. You know, we we talked to Jordy Nelson about what you know what he how Aaron Rodgers likes to work with receivers, but the same applies to the the tackle because you have to know that Rodgers does that check. He checks his progressions. He does that backwards little spin rollout. So you have to learn how to protect him and how to be an elite pass blocker. The loss of Corey Lindsay is kind of a concern, I think, but uh, you know, as long as Bakhtiari, when Bakhtiari went down, it was like, whoa, that's a bigger deal than Devontae Adams. I mean, oh right? yeah, absolutely huge. And I'm, I'm glad we're doing these two guys together. Cause it's really like one, a one B. I mean, they are the, the two, the top tier of tackles and, and Stanley could get in here, you know, like we were saying earlier, but like right now it's, it's these two guys in the top two tiers. And the only reason why I have Bakhtiari is the number one guy is because he's better in pass protection right now. I mean, you know, grading wise and all of that. And like you were saying with Rogers, there's a little bit more movement there. I, I think it's a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a wild card. I think Shanahan, it's a little bit more design. You know exactly what's going to happen. The bootlegs are supposed to go that way. Rogers, he's going to dance around a little bit more. You know, he's not particularly like, you know, Lamar Jackson or anything like that, but he is going to put a little bit more stress on the offensive line than whoever is going to be under center for the San Francisco 49ers. So that's, that's again, the only reason why he's going up. But Bakhtiari now, it, it's going to be interesting how, you know, where, he, where we're going to rank him this time next year. Is he going to be blocking for Aaron Rodgers? He's going to be taking on a lot more responsibility if it's, if it's Jordan Love. I mean, you're talking about a young first-year starter trying to figure his way out. There's a lot of pressure that goes on an offensive line when you have a young quarterback like that. We've seen it with Joe Burrow. We saw it with Tua last year. When they're under duress, it just leads to not to non-winning plays, to losing football games. And so for a team that's been in the NFC Championship for you know the, the last few years now, knocking on the door of a Super Bowl, Bakhtiari is important if Rodgers is there to get them over that hump. But it's also important for the development of, of love if he's the guy. So it's a, it's a pivotal year for him there. And I'm not saying that he's going to like fall off if he's, you know, if they don't have a great year, he's going to fall off the top 10 spot. I, I don't want to put too much pressure on team success, but it is an interesting year for him more so than even Williams, who I know that they're, they're in a quarterback change too, but that's a little bit more by design. Like Kyle Shanahan will make the decision between Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance. It, but this one with Green Bay, it's going to be kind of force fed onto them if Rodgers really sticks to his guns. Yeah, agreed completely. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, the top 10 interior offensive linemen. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We got a little more detail, I think, than uh, Debo expected when he signed me up for this birthday podcast, <laughs> Sully. But uh, you, did a great, you did a great job with the, the tackles. And now let's dive into the guys on the interior. We can kind of beat through them a little quicker. Frank Ragnall checks in at number 10 for you. The, you know, maybe some little surprising action for him here, right? I mean, I mean, come on now. And this guy like fractures his throat throughout, throughout the yeah. year and still plays. I mean, come on. You got to give him. I feel Top like I nails. I mean, I am obligated to, to put him in this list. But no, I mean, that game was unbelievable because I don't believe he gave up a sack, a pressure or anything. A he fractured was, throat. I mean, that's just, I don't even want to know what that feels like. I don't even, I, I mean, I like, if I have a night of drinking and my throat is sore the next day, I feel like <laughs> I'm going to be, deli- you know, I'm, I'm dead. So I can only imagine what that is. But, you know, he's someone who is one of the one of the best at his position. This is, again, we're talking, we're starting into the interior lineman. You're going to get a little bit more of a, of a you know, not just left ha- left guards and all of that. It's going to be a little bit more of a collection. And so to me, He's the, I think he was the second highest rated uh, rated player at his position going into last year outside of Lindsley. So to me, you got to you know represent that a little bit more than than just you know always an honorable mention. No, no, no. He's tough you as nails. Ten left guards on here. You got to right. have. Right. Yeah. So who's the toughest? Uh, just to look at honorable mention guys on the interior: uh, yep. Ryan Kelly from the Colts, Brandon Brooks from the Eagles, J.C. Treader, Jason Kelsey. So plenty of centers on there, and you have three centers on this list, and we'll get to them. But you can't right. go. You also can't have seven centers. Exactly. I don't want to, you know, there's, there was a balancing. I can't go overload. Correct. Correct. Uh, at number nine, Wyatt Teller of the Cleveland Browns. Sensing a, sensing a theme here with the Cleveland Browns. I know. And, and so the, the Browns, they, they just, again, they're probably going to have the top offensive line in the NFL this year, or at least on paper, they are as talented as they, they, they should be. And when you, when you look at Teller, he was the one that I thought was a little bit more interesting because when I'm trying to figure out, obviously I'm looking at PFF, I'm looking at their grades, I'm trying to you know stack everybody up like you would go on Pro Football Reference. It's the same type of thing. They're just one of the best to to give you the offensive line stuff. Yeah. And if you look at his his leap last year, I mean he had a a 32 you know in their grading system 36.2 points higher than it was the previous year. I mean that is just a phenomenal jump. And he only played 11 games, so you got to kind of, you know, ding him for that. But when he was able to play in those games, the Browns were able to rush for over 115 yards on the ground. They averaged 178.6 yards rushing. And when he was sidelined, that number fell to 81.7 Ooh. per game. So, I mean, you know, I think Nick Chubb really likes him. I think that Kareem Hunt really likes when he's on the field. So, to me, when you have somebody who has made that big of a swing in, in a year, and, again, you don't want to get too too into the, the one-year pops, but that's something that you have to at least highlight. That's notable. Yeah, and look, it, it's also easier sometimes. You know, you look at this offensive line. They draft Jedrick Wills in the first round last year. You have, we mentioned J.C. Treader, just an honorable mention. Wyatt Teller, Jack Conklin, you know, both guys on the list. And, of course, Joel Petonio, who we'll get to in a second. I mean, you know, it's easier when you're on an offensive line full of good offensive linemen right. to be a great offensive lineman. And that's that's not, you know, the fault of anyone else. It's just how it works. Uh, Rodney Hudson traded this offseason. Is, is he the only uh, guy? Tra- yeah, he's the only Former Raider to make this list. Uh, they, they got rid of Gabe Jackson as well. But Rodney Hudson, now at the Cardinals, switching teams. So new new setup. We kind of dinged um, we dinged Orlando Brown a little bit for that, but you, you felt compelled to put Rodney Hudson in there anyway. Yeah, I, I think if this is going to be a little bit easier. And, I, you know, again, you know, Kyler Murray, this, this, the, the, the Cardinals offense is probably a little bit more complex just because he's going to be running around a little bit more. But we're talking about a guy who's, who's played in the league. I think he's only allowed three sacks since 2015. I mean, that's just insane for, for a guy of his caliber. I've, I've, I was confused at the time why the Raiders decided to make this move. Everybody was. Move it's like, is, they're like, was is Rodney Hudson bad? No, he was yeah. good. Here. No, he's he's a he's really good. He's a he's a good tackle. <laughs> Kyler Murray should be very happy about this addition. I think he should be happy about this addition more so than like AJ Green and JJ Watt. I yeah, mean, this you know, this is this is one that I think is going going under the radar a little bit because I mean, admittedly, you know, when you when your team gets AJ Green and JJ Watt and Rodney Hudson, we all know who you're going to talk about. You're not going to talk about Rodney Hudson, but right, right, right. but but he still he he might be the most for, like, the, the Rodney Hudson Instagram post. 
Right. Uh, JJ Watt integrated post. But I mean, yeah, in all seriousness, the, you know, I, I've always long maintained that you need to have a really good veteran center quality center that you can pair with your young quarterback. And this is what Hudson gives them, you know, for Kyler Murray. And that's sort of what Kyler Murray needs, especially maybe when you're running, trying to run maybe more tempo offense, you need somebody who is comfortable. He'll have to learn a new offense, of course. Uh, but this offensive line started to come together for, for the Cardinals. And I, you know, if you're going to be bullish on them, Hudson should be a very big reason. So I, I don't disagree with the ranking at all there. Ali Marpet of the Buccaneers, the former, Oh, do you? Uh, I don't know if you wrote this in the story. Do you? Can you name what college Ali Marpet went to? I, I can tell you, it's Hobart. I know. Yeah, exa- Hobart. I know exactly. My buddy uh, who played at WPI, he he played against them. There he we ne- go. He never lets us live it down. He just, we, he's uh, like, I played against NFL talent. Okay, okay, man. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Right. Played, you played Hobart, buddy. <laughs> you know, Marpet. So I was at the combine. He he was two thousand. He was drafted in two thousand fifteen. So I was at that combine in two thousand fifteen when. You know, there was some buzz leading into it, like, watch out for this kid from Hobart, Ali Marpet, young, you know, small school prospect who might sort of move up the rankings. I mean, he he blew the combine away, shoots up into the second round, drafted by the Buccaneers. And we mentioned we mentioned several Buccaneers on this podcast and other top ten episodes. It's because not because they won the Super Bowl. Jason credit to Jason Light. He's done a really good job drafting for the Buccaneers. He's been killed, you know, because of the uh, Roberto Aguayo stuff and and, so, and a couple of you know, James Winston didn't work out, but he has done a good job drafting. And Ali Marpet's just another example. And, and one of the things, you know, it's kind of weird. Like, you know, I'm I'm dinging some guys because they weren't on the field, like like Stanley and stuff like that. But when you play 13 games like Marpet did, we do kind of get a, an interesting sample of like how is the team with you and how is the team without you. And when he was able to play this year, their passer rate or their completion percentage was up over seven percent. I mean, that is a pretty substantial change yeah. for a guy like that, especially with Brady and everybody. I mean, you know, like we were saying, what works. This offensive line is pretty solid. It, they wouldn't have been able to, to win the Super Bowl without that unit being as good as it was. I believe that they were third as, the, as a unit in the NFL in adjusted sack rate. So, like, they were, they were keeping a 43-year-old quarterback off the ground, which is all you really need. Yeah, uh, when you sign you know, when you sign him to a two year deal to kind of take you to a Super Bowl, last thing you need is for him to have you know be running for his life for a guy that isn't mobile. So they they put all the pieces together, and Marpet's been one of those guys for a while now. That's been uh, been a pretty pretty good anchor for them. Yeah, and when they got Ryan, when they brought Ryan Jensen in, they had Marpet at center. They originally had him at right guard, I think, when they drafted him, and then they moved him to center. And the last three years, he's been at left guard. He, he can play all over. The, he can play over the line. He can probably play tackle even if you if you needed him to in a, in a pinch. But uh, his 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 play has elevated the most since they got him into that left guard position. He's gotten comfortable there, and it's made a it's made a world of difference. I, I don't think they would they don't win the you know they don't win the Super Bowl without that defense. Right. Again, I'm not trying to ding Tom Brady. But they they don't win the Super Bowl without that they, without that defense, and they don't win the Super Bowl without that offensive line. Yeah. That's just. I mean, the, I mean, look what look, look look at the other side of that Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes at this moment better than Tom Brady talent wise, but he was running for his life because the offensive line just couldn't let him establish anything. Exactly, which we should really skip. I don't want to skip over Joe Batonio, but we talked about the Browns already. Right. He allowed one. He allowed, I believe, zero sacks last year. So right. he's he's right. very good. Very You're good. Very good. Awesome. Sorry, Joel Batonio. You are fantastic, and you deserve all the accolades. <laughs> but the segue leads us to Joe Tooney, former Patriots player, former NC State player, who now will be trying to protect Patrick Mahomes uh, after the Chiefs are not. and made a huge splash in free agency to land him. Tooney's a stud, man. Yeah. I, I that was. I know that the Patriots just probably. Well, I guess they could have afforded to. They tried to. They tried to keep him, didn't they? And they just he. Felt like the situation was maybe better in KC. You're blocking for Patrick Mahomes and working with Andy Reid. How is it not exactly what you want? Um, you know, exactly. I mean, and this is a guy in Tooney who's seen contention year after year in New England. You know, not last year, obviously, but he was here when they were competing for Super Bowls with Tom Brady. He has rings to his name. He certainly he wants to continue Super Bowls that. The first three years or something crazy he, like that. He's been a, a key piece to that offensive line for I think at least two Super Bowls. And so, you know, you go into Kansas City, it's, it's not a bad move at all. You know Patrick Mahomes is going to be, you know, you, they are the new New England in that, in that category. Like, you're going to be contending every year. You'll be in the conversation. One of the best, if not the best, coach-quarterback duo in the NFL. And you're going to be a key fixture of protecting him, just like you did Tom Brady all those years. And, and he's been great. I mean, you know, you've seen him. But, like, over the last three years, allowed three sacks, so one sack a year that he's, that he, he's accounted for. 
I mean, he's just one of the game's best left left guards, somebody that I've seen up close and personal. And just quickly, for the reasons, you know, New England didn't go after him, or, you know, I believe that they did try to, to bring him back to some degree, but they're also at the time trying to figure out what's going on with David Andrews, the center yep. there. He was able to re-sign. They also have Michael Wenu, who's coming in. He's someone who is just in, in my just-missed category for the oh. interior alignment. He's going to start for them. I believe this year at left guard, and he was someone who was just insane. He was able to move around all the offensive line like Tooney almost. So I think that there's a lot of confidence in him. And when you're getting into the $80 million range for Tooney and you have this young guy coming in, I think that that was part of the motivation there as well. Again, they, they like Tooney. Tooney's fantastic. But I think that that was probably part of it as well. Oh, I, I just ran into one. Oh, Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> Greg Rosenthal actually ranked it as one of the worst deals in free agency. Beautiful. All right. <laughs> the, the deal that Tooney got from the Chiefs. You know what, though? That, that, oh, yeah, that ranks. I mean, out. that's a lot of money. You know, I don't know. That's a, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, a that's a former, that's a Patriots fan hating well, on Tooney Bolton Town. That's what that, that is, Rosenthal. That, that could be. Friend of the, friend of the good friend, good friend of the show. I'm just kidding. Greg's the best. I love Greg. Um, but the, yeah, look, you look at what the, the Patriots did this offseason and with the offensive line they have and the lack of weapons that they had. It's clear that when they got into the free agency market, they, they were they were interested in Tooney, but the Chiefs were willing to just go higher, and so they focused their efforts on you know Johnny Smith, uh, Hunter Henry, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and, and you know Judon, all those guys. And well, that's the thing; they had so many other needs. And if anything, New, one of New England's strengths is the offensive line. Like I'm just saying, you you have Owenu coming up. Hopefully, Isaiah Wynn can stay healthy. It just traded for Trent Brown. They were able to kind of piece things along, but you know, an off, a great offensive line is is awesome. But in you know, if the quarterback all has all day to throw if there's no one to, to catch the ball, then it doesn't really matter. Like, and that was a big thing in new England last year. So I can understand why they maybe had to make that hard call with Tooney. Yep. Uh, and another offensive lineman, one who is, I believe Scherf is Brandon Scherf is playing under the franchise tag after his first all pro season in 2020. Number four, the Washington all pro who was drafted. Was he? He was taking the first round. Yeah, first round, fifth overall, the 2015 draft. Sheriff's been a monster for Washington. There's no way they're going to let him go, but they do have some hard uh, discussions about. I don't. They didn't sign. Am I crazy? They didn't sign a contract, right? I didn't miss that. No, they, I believe he's still. I think he's on the second franchise tag. If I'm, if I'm pretty I think sure, he is on the second franchise tag. I right? believe that that's true. Yeah. And so again, you know, just you know, when we're getting and now we're inside the top five. This is splitting hairs here. He's. Yep. he's we're talking about some of the the best players in the world at what they do. And, you know, when you look at Scherf, I mean, going back to 2018, just five sacks allowed in over 1,200 pass-blocking situations. I mean, that's just in insane. Last year he surrendered one sack, and I think he was called for just one penalty. So, you know, that is a that is a good yeah. week. That is a good week for some offensive linemen, let alone a season. So, you know, again, absolutely insane. Washington has – they almost remind me a little bit of, of Tampa – where it's, you know, before Brady, where just everything around them is really, really good. Good offensive line, first rounders all along the front seven. You, you have uh, Gibson in the backfield, McLaurin as a receiver. They just haven't been able to get the quarterback thing right. Fitzpatrick's there now. He'll, you know, he'll be a good stopgap guy. But if you're like, you know, if you're like, and I, I know the Packers wouldn't, you know, if, if Rodgers was a free agent, let's just say. I would look at Washington and say, wow, this is a very attractive situation. You know, you know, just, you know, whoever, whoever's the next quarterback to hit free agency. I'm looking at Washington saying, this is a pretty good offensive line. We have great players on defense. This is a little Tampa 2.0-y to me. Again, they still have to get that generational quarterback. Right, right. But the pieces that have been put in place are pretty solid by Ron Rivera and everybody. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And I, I think if you're, you, you look around and you don't have to figure out what they're going to do with Sheriff. You know, yeah. and they, they played him at right guard. I, I think his uh, his whole career. Yeah, he's played. He came in from day one and just played right guard, and has been a beast. He's a mauler in the run game. Yeah, go ahead. And so the only thing why he's not higher on this list again, talent wise, he is, but he just hasn't been healthy enough. I mean, I don't think he's played a, a full season dating back a while now. Since so year twenty sixteen. Yep. So you know, it's that. That's again as talented as you can be. Are you on the field every week? And, and you can't say that with them. So, and I bet you that's what, what Washington is trying to figure out right now is, all right, we like the talent when we see it, but do we really want to commit Joe Tooney money five years, 80 million to a guy that, again, we don't know if he's going to be there every single week. Yeah, and that's part of the problem too is that, you know, with that second franchise tag, Scherf knows that he is getting close to free agency. Yeah. He's not going to take 
10 million a year. He's making $18 million this year, which is by far the most of any guard, uh, you know, out there. Brandon Brooks, the next right guard at, at 14, and Zach Martin at 14. We'll get to him in a second. And then, you know, Tooney at 16. And then it's like Andrews Pete 11 5. So, I mean, Brandon Sharp is going to be looking for something in the range of 15 to 16 million and maybe more. And, and that's probably that's tough for Washington to deal with, especially a guy who's a holdover, a little bit older, has played really well. But well, give me well, especially for a team that doesn't have a quarterback sort, sorted out yet. I mean, sure. Kansas City can do that because they know they already have Patrick Mahomes locked in for the foreseeable future. You know, forever. forever. I mean, forever, really. I mean, it, it, you know, for, for, the, for, the, for the rest of time. If you're Washington, you still have, haven't even found the guy that's a rookie yet. I mean, it'd be one thing if you're like, all right, well, we're planning to, you know, like, like Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. We know he's the guy. We're just figuring out the extension and then we'll hit you. They, they haven't even been in that position yet. So they don't know if they're getting it in free agency, getting it at the draft. They're, they're still trying to figure that out. So I, I don't I wouldn't fault them if they're a little bit weary to keep their books open just in case something shakes out. The number three guy here, Corey Lindsay Lindsley, the high, second highest paid center, a new Chargers player and a fantastic addition. We talked about it earlier. I mean, this yeah. is just smart business. You give your qu- young quarterback a stud center, and that is exactly what they did in bringing in uh, Corey Lindsley. And then finally, the top two guys on this list, no-brainer, Zach Martin, Quentin Nelson. Just Quentin Nelson's just, I mean, like two or three seasons away from probably locking up a Hall of Fame career. Which I is- mean, it, it's crazy, but, like, you know, it, it's one of – it's a generational guy. Like, it's it's it was very easy for me to go, okay, I, I have to do, you know, interior offensive line rankings. Sure, Quentin Nelson, one, done. And, you know, that's no discredit to, to Martin either. Like I mean, Aaron Donald at, at, at interior defensive line. Yeah, exactly. And I, so Quentin Nelson is great because you don't have to be some offensive line savant to figure out that he's just incredible at what he does. You just, anybody can watch him just blister guys, especially in the run game. He gets to the second level. He buries people. He enjoys it. He, you know, he's teabagging out there and Zach Martin's still playing at an elite level as well. Right. And Martin too had a, you know, an impressive season last year. You know, there was so much disarray around him, whether it's, you know, Dak Prescott, Smith going down, like and he, you know, he, they, he only played 10 games too. Right. right. So, but I mean, when he was in there, he's playing well and it was, through not not the greatest of conditions. But yeah. going back to Nelson, too, you know he's good when there's an offseason discussion of him possibly moving to left tackle, a, 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 a much more important position just in the grand scheme of things. And everybody's like, why? Don't do it. This is a terrible decision. You know, that's how good he is at what he does. Like, it's he is one of these guys, like you said, we might even be sitting here next year going, okay, you know, generational talent, He's the next John Hanna. He is, or he is contending with Hanna as like the best guard that we've ever seen in the NFL, which is crazy, but like that's that's what we're talking about here. But it doesn't even feel that crazy. No, it, it, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like, it, it's just. Say it, it's kind of, it sounds crazy when you're saying it, but you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm not really that worried about it. It's yeah. sure it's going to be true. Uh, all right, Sully, great stuff on the offensive linemen. Uh, we'll talk to you again about some safeties coming up. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.